0: From the Church Pension Group, this is Choose Well.
1: Hi, my name is Krishna Dalakia, and this is Choose Well, the podcast that focuses on well-being, from maintaining physical and psychological health to being financially secure. Today, our subject matter expert is Jody Horseman. Happy to be here. Who is a licensed clinical psychologist and clinical addiction counselor. Jodi is the Chief Clinical Officer of the Health System Aspire, Indiana. She has had a lot of experience working on crisis and disaster relief, along with other areas of psychological wellness and well-being, and has led webinars for CPG in the past. Jodi is a Credo Psych Health faculty and has contributed content for CPG's e-learning resilience course. And I'm so excited to have you with us today, Jodi. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm
0: doing well. Getting used to working at home.
1: Yes, I'm. I'm getting used to working from home, and I'm currently recording this podcast from my closet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very adaptive.
1: Yeah, all for you, Jody. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today's podcast is going to focus on neuroplasticity and how we adapt to change, and why making change is so hard. And, you know, when we were coming up with the focus of this podcast, you know, the first person I thought about was you, because you've had so much experience working in this area of um, neuroplasticity and change, and you work with people all the time. And I just wanted to ask, how did you get into this field?
0: Well, that's a that's a great question, because I, I did not begin in this field. So as we talk about change, um, I actually began college uh, in aerospace engineering. Uh, I wanted wow. to be an aerospace engineer. And then uh, after about a year, I decided I just really, that wasn't uh, feeding any passion. And the course that I had had that I really enjoyed at that point uh, was in the behavioral sciences. And um, so that's why I, I decided I was going to uh, change my major, much to the dismay of my advisor and, and my parents, uh, who thought I was going from, you know, this hard science to a, to a soft science and uh, were concerned about my future.
1: <laughs> is there a relationship between aerospace engineering and behavioral health and psychology?
0: Yes, there is actually, because there, it's about systems. You know, the systems of uh, how, how do you keep a plane in the air? How do you how do how do things work together? And uh, the same can be applied to human behavior. Well, I'm glad that you stuck to this uh, path because I know you've helped
1: helped so many people. Going back to this topic of. Uh, neuroplasticity and change you know the one thing that I hear when I'm working with people or presenting at a conference is that change is so hard right like it sometimes takes many attempts to um, trying to adopt a change or change a behavior or a health habit and it can be so discouraging and I just you know wanted to ask you know why is it so hard
0: you're right. That's a kind of a universal truth, right? That people come up with is, uh, think we want things to be different, um, but it seems so difficult. So, uh, I think one of the things that, that, uh, affects that is neuroplasticity. It's the way that, that our brains work, uh, because because our brains are so very, very efficient at, um, kind of learning something and forming a neural pathway, which is, uh, uh, basically, uh, an autopilot, think of it an, as an autopilot for your brain, right? So we may learn something uh, and it may take us some time to learn that. And it can be quite complex. So if you think about like learning to drive a car, uh, and then once we learn that and repeat it so many times, our brain actually physically forms that pathway. So uh, it comes like a little superhighway. So we don't have to think about it anymore. That's our brain's way of, of allowing us to attend to other things. And so that becomes ingrained. And then when we go to do something different, uh, you might notice, let's say you went to go and drive a friend's car, that's a stick shift and you drive an automatic and all of a sudden things just don't seem right. You know, uh, it's sometimes where are the buttons where even if I switch in my own car, uh, to, to my other car, like where's the wiper? I'm hitting the turn signal when I meant to turn on the wiping, the wipers. Mm So it's, uh, you know, it really has to do with some of the biology in our brain. So how would you describe neuroplasticity?
1: Is there like a, an actual definition?
0: Neuroplasticity is really a, a well-formed connection uh, of neural pathways. So uh, just think of it as a muscle, right? So mm-hmm. if you lift weights or you engage in a certain physical activity, those muscles gain strength. They gain bulk. Um, they, they work well together. On a regular basis. And that's the same goes on in our brains with our, with our neurons and the connections there. And so those connections form into, like I said, kind of a super highway. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's, uh, it's actual, it's an actual biological change in our brain.
1: You know, I always think about when, when I hear the topic of neuroplasticity or I'm, I'm helping people understand it, like learning a language, right? Or um, learning a musical instrument. And while you're doing it, it's so hard. But when you actually learn it and it becomes ingrained in your brain and your body and your soul, it is just like second nature.
0: Hmm. Yes. And that's, that's a great example about learning a language. So if you look at scans of like an infant's brain, there are so many neurons, so many connections there um, that basically uh, it, it's exponential, right? So um, anything that they're exposed to um, and that is reinforced, the energy um is, is targeted to those neural pathways, right? Then, uh, that grows and the, the others that are not used tend to be pruned away. But because we have so many, when we're young, uh, we can learn things very, very fast. And that's why kids, uh, younger kids often will pick up a, a multiple languages, a second language, third language so easily compared to an adult learning yeah. uh, another language. If you look back in the history of um, behavioral sciences, there was a there was a belief at one point in time that it, you know when we turned 18 that basically our brain not on that magic day, but you know that our brain stopped forming. And it was really mm-hmm. stroke research
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: that that indicated no, we can continue to form neural pathways. Now we don't have access to as many as we did as an infant. Many had been pruned away, but we can definitely build and strengthen. Um, and we see that in people that um, have had loss of some body functions and things like that, and they've relearned. As a matter of fact, sometimes they'll, uh, other pathways will be formed around that's damaged to uh, enable someone to engage in that behavior.
1: Do you agree that like, so- failure is a part of long-term success? That, be- that the failure part might be that it's just taking a longer time to Adapt the behavior and to build the new neural pathway in your brain.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, if you, if you succeeded at everything that you did, then you would not be growing. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's that I like to say, you know, maturity is, is developed because we have faced and overcome an obstacle. If we've never had to overcome an obstacle, we're not going to grow. We're not going to mature. So that, those are just kind of stair steps along the way i 'm um, not going to go out and run a marathon tomorrow it 's highly unlikely that i 'm going to run a marathon at all, uh but <laughs> if I was, I certainly wouldn't start by doing that. It makes a lot of sense that I would maybe start with a you know maybe jogging to the end of my block if it was me right um, and working my way there and that same concept can be applied to any type of behavior change
1: that 's a really good point, jody because when i when I think about the changes that we all have to consider in our life it's not just isolated to health and mental well-being correct it's um it's like how do you be financially well how do you um find the most fulfillment in your life in a positive way and that might mean that it might be the way you talk to yourself mentally or or how how you think about a behavior
0: right and no, no change or no behavior really exists in isolation right habits or behaviors or even ways of thinking uh, are typically associated with other things. So there are, there's internal uh, changes that, that are addressed, but then there's also environmental or external changes. And um, some of those changes uh, are difficult. There's some ripple effects, maybe some unintended consequences that uh, we didn't anticipate if I was going to maybe stop smoking. Uh, how is that going to affect my social relations? Um, mm-hmm. What what am I going to do with my hands, you know, when, mm-hmm. right, <laughs> uh, yeah. when I would typically be holding a cigarette? And uh, there's just all sorts of um, things that we don't think about when we go to make a change.
1: And that, that might be worth considering. How is this change going to impact the rest of my life? And, and who's going to support me through
0: this? Right, and you know, you asked me early on about how how is aerospace? You know, is there a connection? And I said systems. And um, as a as a psychologist, I'm fascinated with systems. How are how are the different parts of something anything? How do they work together or not work together to uh, either maintain a behavior or change a behavior? And so let's say, uh, so we know from a systems perspective that one of the things that drives uh, that a system wants is homeostasis. And we as human beings like homeostasis. We like what's familiar. We like what's um, known to us because our brains often perceive something new um, as, you know, because it's different. It's potentially threatening. That makes us uncomfortable. We live in a society that it's not really okay to be uncomfortable. We kind of keep kind of get those messages that we shouldn't have to feel discomfort. And so we're all kind of driven toward this homeostasis, which is uh, that balance. The system is um, comfortable, this is known. And uh, when you go to change something, you are shifting one, at least one element of that system, which does have those ripple effects uh, to the other portions. And sometimes the other portions of that system, the other parts of that system aren't comfortable. And so there's mm-hmm. some, some push back to go back to the, the norm or, or the, uh, the usual.
1: It almost sounds like whatever change you make, whether it's small or big, you have to be brave, right? It takes a lot of courage because, like you said, you might might face a a backlash in a sort when you're trying to, you know, make it stick.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, with every change, uh, so there's a saying that uh, is attributed to a Roman philosopher that with every new beginning is some beginning's end right? So not only are you facing something new, something different, that's probably going to be uncomfortable for a period of time, but you're, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sense of loss as well. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: um, you may be uh, giving up, maybe let's say you decided that you wanted to um, change the way that you saved money or something related to your finances, right? So maybe you're going to stop doing one thing and putting money here and you're going to, you're going to do something else with that money over here. Uh, that may feel risky to put to to put the money over here, and at the same time, maybe you're not able to uh, spend that money on the something that you normally would. And there, are people around you, you know, maybe that that, that was spending money with people on uh, going out to eat, and your family may be saying, "Hey, we used to go out to eat." you know and now yeah. now we're we're kind of unhappy that we're not going out to eat and we're putting we're redirecting that money so that's just a simple example yeah uh, but th- yeah there's there's going to be uh, ripple effects and you'll gain something and you'll lose something
1: you had mentioned systems and in a in a way, really talking about how social connections impact change, and the the success and longevity of the change. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like developing new systems in order for the change to be successful, and how does our how do our social connections influence our um, success with the change?
0: So we are uh, learning more and more about um, how the brain works, right? And uh, the messages that that are coming into our brain and how that affects how we feel and how we think and how we behave. So let's take uh, let's say I wanted to um, change the way I, I eat. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really like to do. Uh, mm-hmm. So but I wanted to, I want to change that and I want to eat healthier. So maybe I am going to go on a particular type of diet, for example, and um, the people around me in, in my family, are not going to uh, be on that, that same type of diet. Maybe I'm just going to cut out sweets. So uh, I know that in the environment, the environment certainly impacts my ability to make changes because, like as we said earlier, these are progressive, right? I'm not going to um, typically just be able to change my entire life in a day. So I have to take some steps to do this. So I want to to not be exposed to sweets, but my... Family really loves having cookies or, or desserts or things in the house or high-carb um, snacks. So it's going to be pretty difficult for me to uh, make that change in the midst of a system that also isn't making that change, right? And we hear this a lot with people that have tried to change their diet or exercise or, or things like that. The system around them, the people that support them or that they interact with on a regular basis are not also are not making that same change. And so if you're going to um, make a significant change, then you're, you're much more likely to be successful in that if you have a support system around it. Now, can you do that uh, when your family's not making that same change? Yes, you can. Uh, but it'd be really important then for you to find a different type of support system that that feeds and supports you in that. You may have uh, some friends that are going to um, engage in this with you as well. And so you have some accountability and you have some support and feedback. So you can build a system around a, a change, um, even if you feel like uh, you're doing it in isolation right now. There, You, you have the capacity to be able to to um, build a, a different type of system around you to support you.
1: When, when we think about change, a thing that I often experience when I'm working um, with people in groups or at a conference is that it's so, it's so um, enticing to be a part of a program that advertises quick results and quick change, like the, a lot of those fad diets or, you know, get rich quick schemes. What do you think about those?
0: Well, they would be great if they worked, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. let, let's face it. I mean, we, we live in a, a society and a culture that is really uh, that really emphasizes uh, supreme convenience and instantaneous gratification um, you know, the thought of putting a baked potato in the oven as opposed to putting it in the microwave, it, most of us would be appalled um, at the extra time. <laughs> so there's certainly a drive toward uh, easy access, easy change. Um, I would say that, that for the most part, in, in, in my opinion, the things that, that are really quick are not, tend not to be lasting. So, you know, even if you're going to change a habit, let's say it takes, you know, 20 to 30 days to really change a habit. So let's go back to that neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. Um, You didn't, you didn't build that neural pathway overnight, right? It was, it was repetition. It was practice. It was uh, continued use over time of that behavior or that thought or that belief that's built that neural pathway and anything that's going to be that do this and it's going to instantaneous cha- instantaneously change your life is highly suspect uh, because that's not how our brains work. And uh, it's also, I don't think, takes into account all the ripple effects, right? Um, yeah. That are going to kind of, you know, surge back and uh, because nothing exists in isolation. So anything, you know, if you're going to make a lasting change, It's going to be something that you're going to invest in yourself. You're going to deliberately and intentionally take the steps to make this change over time, and you will build a strong foundation for that that is much more likely to withstand the test of time.
1: And how does social media kind of? play into this. Social media can be an avenue that actually leads to a lot of stress in our lives. Mm-hmm. And the way that society, like our standard for beauty and our standard for what is considered to be healthy is so unrealistic in my opinion that it it can lead to a lot of stress and a lot of feeling discouraged when you're not mm-hmm. able to to reach this this really high standard that you, you may have never been able to reach.
0: You know, just like in with your your body, that you know what you eat, you are what you eat. What you take in cognitively, uh, what you see, what you're reading in social media, what you're watching on TV, uh, is feeding your brain, and it's happening whether you're consciously attending to it or not. So you can be driving past billboards or sitting in a in a office and see magazines, right? So that these messages are coming in and they are incredibly powerful. You know, I, I've uh, had experiences where I, my dad came to visit and and he was listening to a, a news channel that I don't typically listen to. And I just, over, he just would leave it on during meals. And I would, I found myself just kind of increasingly becoming a little despondent until I, I didn't even think I was listening and, uh, and then I would, you know, I started listening to the same messages, and they were always very uh, engaging. I, our brains are built in a manner that, that they are very attentive to potential threats. So anything that, that's a negative message is going to get our attention much faster, and media knows this, and, and anything that's new... Um, or drastic is going to get our attention faster and so that's where some of these claims too of this you know this you're going to change your life in a day or a week um really get our attention but the um the stress you mentioned the stress and and we get these messages all the time and and you'll remember that i used the terms intentional and deliberate a -hmm. little bit earlier and that's really hard to be intentional to be deliberate to be um in this moment and make decisions about how you want to meaningfully change something when you're always in reactive mode, right? When you always feel like uh, there's a a potential threat or that there's something wrong or that, uh, that you're just feeling very stressed out. Those messages think of that as your diet. What are you taking in? Who are you hanging out with? Mm. What, what are you looking at on Facebook? Is it feeding you? Is it bringing you calm? Is it helping you be more mindful? Um, or is it really, um, alarming you and continuing to activate our brains that there's a, a source of threat out there.
1: I think that what we take in is not just limited to food and, and exercise, right? Like it's what are we what are we engaging in in our life, the kind of people that surround us, that you know the shows that we're watching, what we're looking at on our phones mm-hmm. and our computer, and Absolutely. It's, it's almost like it's almost beneficial to ask yourself, like, what's nurturing and what's depleting?
0: Absolutely. That's spot on.
1: You had mentioned throughout our conversation so far, um, neuroplasticity and change in habits, right? But mm-hmm. ha- habits do become a part of our identity. So
0: is it fair to say that our habits become a part of our identity? I would say Yes, depending on how strong that is, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's say you're a runner. A lot of people who are really serious about running, I think, would absolutely say that that's part of who they are. If I engage in any type of behavior on a regular basis, um, then it's going to become a part of of who I am. I will say I'm a scuba diver. Uh, That's very important to me. If I couldn't do that, uh, that would feel like a real loss.
1: I think about I think about this when people kind of label themselves in certain ways, like like for example, they may say, I really enjoy drinking or, or smoke. I'm a smoker, you know, I'm you know, I engage in these activities and therefore this is who I am and this is how I'm going to be. And that's not necessarily true is what I'm hearing you say, because you can change that at any point in your life and adopt mm-hmm. a new identity.
0: Oh yes we can change things. Some, some things are harder than others, but we have, that's one of the, the great things about, uh, the way that human beings are built and who we are is that we, we can make choices to change some really drastic things about ourselves. you know, you, and you hear stories about that, but I, I was also thinking about what you just said in terms of our identities and, you know, what also came to mind too, were things like some huge things like retirement, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if I work in a particular job, let's say I'm clergy And I, um, that's what I've done and I'm going to, uh, enter into retirement. And I know many clergy still continue to serve. Um, but that's, you know, my day to day is so very different and I have to almost, uh, develop a, a partially a new identity, or let's say that you've been a parent and you, um, now are an empty nester. Like, you know, so a lot of our habits have habits built around them as well, mm-hmm. whether it's going to a certain place, meeting certain people, um, engaging, our, t- our day progresses in a certain way. And if we can change those things and uh, adapt and find uh, find new meaning and different meaning and new exciting things, then we can change all sorts of other smaller behaviors.
1: Yeah. And I think it goes back to what you said about uh, what system are you in currently and how can you create a new system that supports you in the change that you want. I also think about like when you're trying to make a behavior change or, um, reach a goal or create a goal. Uh, I I could say this for myself, like I really love learning and I love trying new things. And sometimes I fall into this, I'm going to say trap that I do too many things at once. (laughs) And then, you know, um, and then I, I kind of like let it go halfway because it's, it's too overwhelming. So it sounds like what you're saying to me, that it's almost better to just pick one thing and kind of go with it all the way.
0: Yeah. It, uh, you know, now sometimes you might pick one thing and you get halfway there and you go, yeah, that's not for me, like aerospace right. engineering. But yes, it, it, we can overwhelm ourselves uh, by trying, you know, trying to attend to, to, too many things at once. Uh, it was interesting. I was in a meeting, um, this morning and we were talking about strategic planning and, uh, we were talking about things that we'd like to do. And wow, if we had tried to, if we tried to do all those things, um, none of them would get very far, right? Because our resources would be spread too thin. Our focus would be too diffuse. So, um, yeah, choosing you know two or three things that you really want to focus on, or if it's really big, maybe just one for a period of time. It doesn't mean that you can't, as you're you know developing that skill, that you can't then add something else. But uh, self-efficacy really depends on that, uh, th- those successes. So you want to set smaller goals for yourself that really um, you can succeed because mm-hmm. you're you're teaching yourself that you can be successful. You don't really want to set yourself up for the, the opposite to to set so many or to set the goal so so large that you're teaching yourself that you can't do it.
1: Right. And I think it also goes back to how are you feeding yourself? Like what messages are you taking in? And how are you approaching the goal? Because if you're approaching it from a place of, um, anxiety and stress and that I have to do this because everyone else is doing it, it might not last long and it might, it might be an unpleasant experience. And mm-hmm. to me, it almost feels like the, the goals and the, the changes that you want to adopt in your life have to come from a place of meaning and authenticity and, and true like personal desire.
0: Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be, uh, let's face it, anytime you try something new or you make a change, it's going to feel uncomfortable Mm-hmm. And um, and we don't do it very well. When I first learned to ride a motorcycle, wow, Jody, I, we're learning
1: so much about you yeah. today. <laughs> Motorcycles, scuba
0: diving—that's true, right? I'm telling you about my life lessons here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, I was a, an absolute klutz on on this motorcycle, so I deliberately actually bought an old used motorcycle from a friend that I wouldn't mind actually if I you know, fell or, you know, I dropped it or whatever, which did, did happen. And I remember going with a friend of mine, uh, who he, he was, a he'd been riding for a long time and we were at a particular corner and I was going to make a right-hand turn, which is the hardest thing when you're learning on, on the bike. So I came to a stop and, and sure enough, I, I dropped the bike over and, uh, I remember him pulling over and just looking at me and he didn't come back to help me, you know, and I was like, okay, oh, oh he thinks I can do it. He, he knows I can do it. I can do it. And so I did. I picked that bike back up, but it was uncomfortable and it was embarrassing. And anytime that we, that we try something new, I think you just have to be compassionate to yourself, right? It's just, it's, you're just not going to be an expert right out of the box. And, uh, you know, just as we would encourage someone else or, uh, praise someone else or, you know, compliment someone else and, and you want to do that for yourself, you know, because that that self-compassion is going to help you stay on track.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about like when we were all babies and we first started walking and, you know, we fell many times um, Yeah. (laughs) until we were able to actually start walking and we did it with a lot of encouragement and um, support. And I Mm -hmm. think that, You know, as we get older, there's so many barriers that we face and our ego and the way we talk to ourselves, like self-limiting and self-berating internal Mm -hmm. voices can inhibit our success. So I think what you say about um, practicing compassion is, is probably one of the most important things. So let's say that someone is ready to start taking action towards a change. Do you have mm-hmm. any tips or suggestions for them?
0: If you're thinking that you want to do something different, one of the tips would be that you, uh, again, don't set a goal that's so large that, you'll, that you're that you not going to experience successes along the way. It's very important to break something down. You can have a goal that's out there, but set smaller steps for yourself so that you can feel those, those accomplishments. Those will continue to motivate you on the way. I would recommend that you, if you don't have to build, you might just invite your support system to uh, assist you in that. Uh, it may be in the ter- in regards to getting more information. It could be about helping you plan. It could be about being accountable, or even participating with you. One of the things that's really helpful is if uh, someone else is being successful, and you can see that you, you're like them. That's motivating too. Like if they can do it, I can do it. And then just and being compassionate. There's going to be some unintended consequences. It could be positive. It could be great consequences. It could be things you just uh, that that kind of are irritating or feel like a little bit of a loss and you hadn't anticipated those so be open be curious about it uh, and and invest in yourself you know it's uh learning something new is is growing and developing
1: and and i think that's so important i recently heard someone say that you know whenever you're learning something new it's a combination of competency and confidence building those Mm. two things And part of that is it's like in order to build your confidence, like you said, you have to try and fail and try and fail and succeed, try, fail and succeed. And
0: -hmm. then the other
1: part of that is competency. It's like how do you educate yourself? How do you really, like you said, invest in yourself, invest in the change that you are looking to make? And I I think with this particular topic uh, the Church Pension Group, CPG's online learning center, has some really great courses that can help you along your path towards maintaining and succeeding with change. Jody was one of our, um, was the subject matter expert in the resilience course, which is a six part course on r- different aspects of resilience. Um, that can be really great for you to listen to if you're looking to start a change. Also, the visioning course and the smart goals course. So take a look at the resource section in the podcast if you'd like to be directed to those courses. Well, thank you so much, Jody. This has been so informative. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Theme music for our podcast is by Fran McKendry. Be sure to visit the e-learning library and learning center on cpg.org for wellness resources and please join us again for Choose Well.
0: This material is not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. CPG does not provide any healthcare services and therefore cannot guarantee any results or outcomes. Always seek the advice of a healthcare professional with any questions about your personal health care, including diet and exercise. You've been listening to Choose Well from the Church Pension Group.